Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business, and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and works, organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Veris SAGE Institute colleague, Ed Kless. Today, folks, ESG, we respectfully dissent. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Ron, why do you hate the environment? <sighs> this scandal this week, Ed, uh, you know, we just, this is a huge, huge scandal, and I have no idea who's responsible for it, but heads are going to roll. Someone leaked our minority opinion on ESG. Oh, really? Yeah. I suspect Greg, but I can't <laughs> prove it yet. <laughs> but oh, our opinion's that's fine. out there and causing a firestorm. But yes, we we respectfully dissent on ESG. Yeah, but but let, so let's clarify just so that I can probably keep my job and be you know helpful that right, um, and that that is that is to say that this is not to 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 mean that either one of us we 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 don't like the environment. I like the environment. The environment's good. Uh, you know, they, they, it, I I think people can do what they can their share for the environment. I think that's great. I like social things. I'm big into society. I, in fact, I prefer society over the G, which is the government stuff. So yeah, over the government I stuff, the, right? The little platoons. Right, right. So because well, civil I, society, I, right? civil society, right? I make it. I make a distinction between civil society and and government, and then of course corporate governance. Government co- co- corporate governance is good. All of these th- three three things Absolutely. is taken as separate things are are fine in and of themselves. I think what we want to specifically deal with is just this movement, this ESG movement, which I I think is is a is a really a. a a co-op, a co-option, a, a, a co-opting something that can be good, which, as we've talked about previously, is purpose. We've done shows on purpose, so absolutely. Uh, and and th- that's a, that's another point to make because I think you're absolutely right. We we agree with all these things individually, but why is it that ESG is not broadening a business's possibilities? It's narrowing them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You have to toe the party line with this. Otherwise, you're not going to get the good score. You're not going to get the good PR, whatever it is. So, I, you know, we can certainly talk about that. And, yeah, there there are things that I like about it. Mm-hmm. There are things that I think are really important. But those things are already kind of covered in our laws, whether it's limited liability or the business judgment rule or, or other things. But l- let me start here, Ed. Well, first off, let me sure. pay, pay tribute to my brother who passed away three years ago today. So I'll dedicate this to him because he was also a contrarian. <laughs> um, but uh, ESG kind of first got global attention back in 2006. And it was part of the UN's Principle for Responsible Investment, PRI. Mm-hmm. And it, in this way, it was embraced to for the UN's sustainable, sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, right? Now, our colleague, Paul Dunn, we have tremendous respect for. He talks about these a lot. 
And I think there's some really good things in there. And I think we have been making progress towards them. Um, but in 2013 and 14, the ESG focus really started to happen. Uh, businesses are, you know, started to stand up and say, okay, we need to take this seriously. Then ESG or impact investing hit the scene. Um, there was, you know, money in the stock market and mutual funds and other funds were starting to pour into ESG investments. Today, ESG accounts for one third estimated of the $51.4 trillion of funds under management in the U.S. And that 33% of the $51.4 trillion is projected to grow to 50% by 2025. So we're talking about a lot of money mm -hmm. is, is mm -hmm. pouring into these investments. And so therefore, it's going to attract a lot of different you know, uh, uh, it's going to build a whole ecosystem. You've got rating agencies now and ESG watchdogs and ESG consultants uh, and disclosure and all of that. So all of this is starting to happen. BDO, BDO firm, they have an ESG website. It's BDO.com slash resources slash ESG. And it says at BDO, we view sustainability as an investment in the strength of our culture, the resilience of our business and the future of our planet. We are committed to making ESG synonymous with BDO, ensuring that sustainable business practices are integrated into everything we do. Um, PwC has got a $12 billion investment plan for ESG, hiring 100,000 new employees. Um, <laughs> and the financial sector has spent $3.5 billion buying rating companies that do ESG-type rating. So... This is a huge movement, and it's mm -hmm. only going to get bigger. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think that our show is going to, you know, stand athwart the ESG movement yelling stop. I mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> well, we can yell all we want. We can yell, yell all we want, but it's yeah. not, but it's not going to happen. But I, I think, uh, you know, our purpose is to bring to light that that th th there's there or there's always trade-offs and there's nothing that's just an unmitigated good uh there's there's some challenges that this faces and you know we've had you know, kimberly josephson on before and she's talked a little bit about them in the in the questioning but one of the things i came across and this di directly addresses your point this is a, an article from a website called green biz which is a, about environmentally friendly he, he and this is this is a quote from the article, which is also quoting the Wall Street Journal, he says some companies have simply rebranded older existing funds as green in name only to give get onto the ESG trend. This is from the Wall Street Journal, and they say last year companies that manage mutual funds and exchange traded funds rebranded a record of 25 funds as sustainable, according to Morningstar. They say these funds have adopted investment strategies that utilize data on companies' ESG performance to pick stocks. Now this is a what what but then former BlackRock. Uh, Chief investment officer Tariq Fancy says he calls this an, an, a dangerous, um, plis, dangerous placebo. Uh, that that's a, a huge problem for 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 this because it says it's just it's rebranding. It is literally just rebranding. Nothing really changed about these these funds at all, except that they were had been branded as ESG. Right, and I've read some of the same criticisms. 
you know, the proponents of ESG, like Al Gore, he wrote an editorial in the Wall Street Journal in 2020. He said, voluminous research has shown conclusively that businesses properly integrating ESG factors into their plans are typically more successful and profitable. Now, look, I've looked at some of the research. There's this uh, New York University professor of finance I'm going to talk about later who's who's poured into this and he's got a huge blog. He writes these huge you know, 30 page blog posts on the, all of this stuff. And he's documented that no, if anything, ESG is underperforming the market, but put that aside. If it was true, if what Al Gore and all the other proponents of ESG, if what they say is true, then separate for me, Ed, the cause and effect. Do companies perform better because they are socially conscious or do companies that are doing well find it easier mm -hmm. to be socially conscious? Right. None of the research, academic or otherwise, can tease that out. So it, I think that remains inconclusive. Yes. See, see our show with it with it with about sp uh, spurious correlations, which has an unpronounceable Latin name. Uh, right. But <laughs> right, right. But but where yeah, and that was a, the point I wanted to make is that there's e even if true, there's no there's no is this cause or effect? You don't know. And then this also gets back to Phil Rosenzweig, right? Where he he mm -hmm. was talking about organizations that perform better financially are the ones that can afford to have great employee cultures and therefore the employee cultures take care of the customer and is it, it what, what what xerox supposedly uh came out with a, the, the 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 causal relationship which is that employee satisfaction yields customer satisfaction customer satisfaction yields financial performance rosenzweig was able to say well no because it's actually a circular error because it's financial performance that in fact feeds into employee experience <laughs> absolutely absolutely so, and 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 if and if it's also true that ESG proponents say that this will enhance business and make it more successful, make it more profitable, well, then aren't they kind of on the same page as Milton Friedman? Of course. <laughs> I mean, and and good ideas don't don't need to be coerced. So right. if this is such a good idea, why do we have to enforce it? Why do we have to ram it down the company's throats? Well, and talk a little bit about that. How do you, how do you see it as being coerced? Because what well, many companies will say is that this is voluntary action on their part. Now, until the SEC regs come out, then it's a different story. Well, yeah, the SEC regs are one, but the other one is you got to keep in mind that there's like these, there's like big four, big three, big four of these investment houses like BlackRock and and Dalio's company. I forget the name of it. I can never remember that name. Um, but these these big outfits hold a big chunk of US American company stock. Mm -hmm. And by proxy and other governance things, they can influence board decisions like they did recently with mobile, you know, pulling out of various fossil fuel expansion plans, investment projects, they can influence banks, mm -hmm. stop stopping them from investing in oil projects or anything fossil fuel is, is damned under ESG, mm -hmm. uh, even though fossil fuel saves lives every single day. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could not live without oil, period. We, I mean, people would die. You couldn't get people to the hospital. Hospitals couldn't operate. All the medical tubing and all the other stuff. It, I mean, this, this kind of gets absurd on so many different levels. But uh, it, it just, you know, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't make sense. So, so that's what I mean by coercion. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's trying to get companies to do through 
these, you know, various alternatives to the democratic process through laws, through regulations, because you can't, you know, you, you don't have to go through the political process. So you do it through proxy. You do it through uh, pressuring these companies. And these companies are interested in their reputation and they want to do what's right. And therefore, I think it's a form of coercion. I think it's a form of corrupting democracy. These issues, and I'm going to go through them after the break, Ed, but here's what ESG is supposed to deal with. Inequality, social exclusion, climate change, biodiversity, future loss of work, you know, the whole AI thing. The S&P ESG indicators, this is the S&P 500, their indicators are human rights, social integration, low carbon strategies, climate measures, sustainable finance, which is basically cutting off funds for oil, gas, coal projects, and firearm industries. Tell me what all of those things have in common. They're all political issues. Mm. They're not business issues. All right. Well, I'm going to challenge you on the way back after our break, Ron, but I want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. Our Patreon channel is patreon.com slash TSOE, where at a certain level, you can get a shout out like Mark Gandy from CFO Bookshelf did. Listen to his podcast at cfobookshelf.com. But right now, a word from our sponsors. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah, 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 Whatever. And four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul? I absolutely have. What if I told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast? I'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download Oh, oh my fraud. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You 
were tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are talking ESG. We respectfully dissent. By the way, I got the title of the show, Ron, when I put that in there is what came to mind was a, a great scene in, in the uh, musical 1776. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there, you know, one of, one of the running gags throughout the show is that n- New York uh, th- always, d- always abstains, mm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, it, but it says New York respectfully abstains, right? Mm. And it's like throughout the book. And then fi- finally they're at the ver- very end. He goes, let me guess, New York abstains. And he goes, respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> and they ask them why? Why do you abstain? Why does New York keep abstain, abstaining? And the and the response is: Have you ever been to a meeting of the New York Legislature? <laughs> Everyone talks very fast and very loud, and at the same time, and as a result, nothing ever gets done. <laughs> Who, was it was it on Russ's show when he was talking to the lawyer? Oh, it was he was talking to Epstein, Richard Epstein. That he was talking about playing basketball, and they were talking about officiating. He said, "Have you ever seen an argument with you know?" Two teams of lawyers on the basketball <laughs> court arguing whether or not that was traveling or whatever. Yeah. It was hysterical. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, respectfully abstain. But I, Ron, just to get back to what you were, were talking about before the end of the break uh, about the these investment firms that are through, in, in your words, uh, coercion. Isn't that the market? Isn't that no. the market? Why yeah, isn't t- it the market? Because those t- those are you. private. Those are private actors doing doing their thing. True, but when I invest or my company invests its 401k into BlackRock, you know, into their, and then they manage the funds for me. Now BlackRock are the agents and I'm the principal. Mm-hmm. And now BlackRock takes my proxy vote and goes and influences companies to do things that I as a shareholder don't agree with. And they get away, it's, they, it's total impunity. They get away with it. Larry Fink is not a principal. He's an agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's an employee of the eleven trillion dollars that he watches over. Right. And another thing that needs to be said about ESG investments and BlackRock and others, they make money on this irrespective of how the performance of these ESG investments do. Because mm, they skim it right off the top. Yeah. Yeah, and the but, expenses are much higher in ESG investments than they are in traditional index and mutual funds. Let me again ask you this though: as you, if you're the principal, uh, can, can you can move your money elsewhere, right? And then they, I can. So, and, so, and, so, so, so again, I ask: isn't it the market? I see what you're saying. It's it's a secondary removal. You're is you got the uh, the principal agent problem squared or multiplied by two, really? But so I, I get that. But isn't it still ultimately back up to it's you deciding to invest in? your money in BlackRock. Yes. And and I know that's the libertarian argument and I get it. And in fact, I agree with it. The problem mm-hmm. I see is I don't know how many of the investors that have funds in BlackRock, A, even know about it. It could be being done through their company. Mm-hmm. Or um, if they do know about it, I don't know if they know everything that BlackRock is, is doing. It's mm-hmm. just something that most people don't pay attention to. Now, this is what the SEC was designed to do, to give investors information and to make sure that everything's honest and above board. If the SEC told these people to market ESG investments as, hey, look, they underperform the market and they're they're more expensive, then fine. If people want to make those choices and end up with less return, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. 
but I don't think that's what's happening, Ed. Okay, so that's your your, your concern. That well, I, and again, I would not my I mean, only concern, but right, all right, no, no, uh, you have more concerns than just one, Ron. <laughs> yes, I do. No. But but I but I do, I do I do think that there's still long term, and this is my my response with with anything long term. If they are not sustainable, if it's not going to be something that's going to turn a profit, it's people will turn away from BlackRock as well. I mean, mean, it's the same reason why I think that, you know, we shouldn't break up Facebook or the government shouldn't break up Facebook is because over time, by the time we get to start regulating that as a as a trust, it's already on the way down. Yeah, no, I agree. I I just what and and, uh, Charlie Munger, you know, uh, uh, what's Buffett's 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 guy, uh, vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. He's got big problems with this, too. He says, look, I love Larry Flink. I have great respect for him, mm-hmm. but I don't want him to be. I didn't elect him to be my emperor. <laughs> I didn't elect him to be able to go into companies and tell them what to do, like not invest in, you know, oil and gas projects and coal, prior, nuclear, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that stay in your lane. It's another thing we need to deal with, but it's the whole, you know, the reason why governments starting in Great Britain gave companies limited liability, mm-hmm. which is one of the most phenomenal legal inventions ever, mm-hmm. limited liability company, because think about it. it, it gives you immunity from what normally we would be required to do, which would be be responsible for our actions, mm-hmm. right? You, you can only lose what you put in, hence right. limited liability. Um, but it, when you uh, when when they created that, they said we're going to give you liability, limited liability. But in return, you're going to stay in your lane, and you're going to have to serve your shareholders. And they thought that they, these were very smart people who developed this. Uh, and they said they figured that that would um, you know keep them from growing too big and, and getting out of hand and and dominating politics and corrupting democracy and all of that and i think it's a very it was a very clever solution um they told him your your duty is to maximize shareholder value mm-hmm. or or yeah. to make a profit that's yeah. a very narrow duty <laughs> yes yeah and and if, interestingly enough so, you know you're talking about the dutch east india company and and those early corporations that were given charter from the the heads of 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 state in in europe right well, I'm talking a little bit later than that, actually, because oh, okay. some of those go way back. We're talking about like the uh, I forget the name of the acts, the Corporation Acts in 1850 or whatever in Great mm. Britain, that great, and then our acts across the states and the colonies and all of that. Okay, so um, corp- corporations not necessarily charters is right, right, right. The cor- okay. the corporate, Got it. The, and and you know we did the same ch- with charities. We tell charities, you know, you're you're confining your powers to the sphere of your charitable cause. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the same thing. That's the trade-off for the limited liability. Just like there's a trade-off with when we give professions a monopoly through licensure, which you and I can't stand mm-hmm. for right. any profession, including doctors. Yes, including doctors. Uh, but we do that, Ed. The logic behind it is we're going to give you this monopoly, auditors, doctors, barbers, whatever. But in return, you're going to you're going to self-regulate mm-hmm. and you're going to police your own and you're going to have disciplinary action when things get out of line. Otherwise, we're going to come in and do it for you. That's the trade-off mm-hmm. that, that you make. Yeah. No. And that's it, never talked about. Even Milton Friedman didn't talk about that that corporate uh, 
limited liability trade off. Right, right. I think the first time I heard this argument, maybe you heard it before, but but was in Woke Woke Inc. Right from Vivek Ramswamy. Yes, uh, Vivek made this. I have read it before, but not, he uh-huh. he did it, he did a much better job explaining it because you're, you're only going to get this like if you read in uh, like law law history books and things mm. like that. And I just never dug into it. He also talks about the business judgment rule, which is another aspect to this, but we won't probably hit that today. Okay. Yeah. Interesting stuff. All right. Uh, Another thing is ESG is going to deal with all these things, you know, inequality, social exclusion, climate change, and all of that. And they're going to do it by disclosing their ESG scores or getting rated. uh, And, and, and then it's like, okay, but how are just the metric, forget the metrics are subjective, forget that different rating agencies can give you completely different uh, ratings from good to worst or best or whatever. Um, how are a bunch of subjective metrics disclosed through financial statements or whatever, by the way, which nobody reads, how is that going to solve any of these things? The, it, the ESG proponents put this forth as solving these problems. Mm-hmm. And Ed, you and I, back to Thomas Sowell, I think episode number eight or whatever it was, there are no solutions. There's only trade-offs. There's only trade-offs. And you don't read this in the ESG literature. They're putting this forth as, no, we're going to solve world hunger. We're going to solve climate change. We're going to solve this and that. There's not an economist alive that's worth their salt that would use the word solution. No. And I agree with that. I do think that the argument uh, that I've read, because I tried to read critiques of the criticisms of ESG. Sure, sure. Yep, me too. <laughs> and and the, the what they w- would say is is that well it's it's by by leading these these companies to these these quote greater goods that is going to solve and and solve it I think they would say is too strong a word word it's going to enhance it's going to relieve pressure it's going to lessen the burden it, th- those kinds of things I don't know if they would go all the way to solve um, and perhaps we're setting up a straw man argument so I'm trying to steal steel man it and say the better argument would would be to say that if you have companies, that have uh, these ESG initiatives that taken in total uh, for some small percent, even in exchange for some small percent of the profit of profit of these companies, that these make the world a better place because these companies are taking these initiatives to do these things. Yeah. And look, I think when you look at the USA and you look how we've done with greenhouse gas and gases and the whole dematerialization movement, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That question, how much does the economy weigh Mm -hmm. that we did a whole show on? It it weighs a lot less or it weighs about the same today, even though we're we're whatever it is, 30 times bigger. I forget the number. Um, But like take climate change, Ed, the SEC, uh, you know, proposed disclosure on this, uh, giving investors information about climate risk. Um, is this to force companies to disclose their greenhouse gas emissions so that groups such as NGOs and BlackRock and other proxies uh, that, that, that could get on the board like they did at mobile uh, can enforce net zero targets on them? I mean, why is it that when you buy an airline ticket now, you get to, I get to see my carbon footprint? Mm. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it's so much easier for these companies to be accountable to a silent planet than it is for them to be accountable to noisy shareholders who demand the best return they can. You're talking about people's retirement funds. You know, this goes back to Michael Novak. 
if it's if it's immoral to make a profit, is it immoral to lose other people's money? Great question. And we are up against our next break. Want to remind you, you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending that email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Uh, we do have ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE, where you can guess what? Rate this podcast. And we would love for you to do that. If you do, we always read them on the air. So when you get a chance, go out and rate our podcast on any of the platforms, your, your podcast player of choice. We appreciate that. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on the Soul of Enterprise. Do you want to remind you that we our show is sponsored by 90 Minds. If you need need a mind, get one at 90minds.com. They sponsor our Patreon channel. So take a look at this. It's p- patreon.com slash TSOE. And we'll be there next week. And before the end of the show today, we'll have a little uh, chat about what we're going to be doing sp- special next week at the 90 Minds Conference. Uh, Ron, I, I, I'm, I'm coming across as dissenting against your dissent. And, <laughs> and 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 right. and 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 I don't necessarily mean for it to be to, to, to be that because I, but but I think there is an area where you and I are in 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 violent agreement and are also constantly and it happened no less than three times to me this week uh, p- parsing out and trying to explain to people that the purpose of a business isn't to isn't to make a profit. Right. And, and, and so many people get stuck on that. So talk a little bit about that. And Ed, every show that we've done on our memorable mentors mm-hmm. on entrepreneurial heaven, Peter Drucker, um, you know, Stanley Marcus, I, I, Henry Ford, Sam Walton, I can go down the list. Not one, not one of these people said that the purpose of a business is to make a profit. In fact, they said the exact opposite, sometimes very eloquently, mm-hmm. like as in the case of Henry Ford or Sam Walton. And you go back and listen to those shows. 
So yes, I agree, a company has to have a purpose and almost by definition they do. And if their purpose is to make a profit only, then they're probably not gonna last long, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The market's gonna squeeze them out like Enron. Um, but, but that's just the point. There's nothing in the current corporate law that prevents companies from pursuing a social purpose, even at the expense of shareholder gain. Right. Mm-hmm. We have B corporations and we have other things. We have what, uh, what John Mackey did with Whole Foods mm-hmm. or what other companies do when they give a per- certain. They said we're going to give X percent to, of our profits to charity or whatever. Patagonia mm-hmm. or whatever. They're B sage corp- sage social purpose. But but when you look at social purpose, it, it, if you put an S in front of it, it's almost like the charitable sector. When you put charity or nonprofit in front of something, mm-hmm. it gives us this you know this veil of holiness. But yet, think about social purpose. Who had one of the biggest social purposes? Which two organizations had one of the biggest social purposes ever? Fan, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. <laughs> We're going to increase mm. home ownership in America, cause one of the worst global financial crisis meltdowns, right, in the real estate market. Now, they weren't 100% responsible for it, but they played a large part, especially if you read the work by Thomas Sowell and Russ Roberts wrote mm-hmm. a book on this as well. Mm-hmm. Other People's Money, I think it was called. Uh, so it, it's like if, if, you're, if you're for ESG, you never, it's like, you know, it's like you're being in love. You never have to say you're sorry and you never have to count any costs. Like all this is just pie in the sky, unicorn. We're going to run on, you know, unicorn air. And uh, it's, there's, there's no reality to it. It doesn't look, it doesn't give a hard headed look to the cost. It only counts the benefits. Yeah. And, and that's the distraction I think that so many people are, are, are talking about. And look, even the, 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 the critics of uh, or the, those that, those are, that are pro ESG will say things like ESG is necessary, but it's not sufficient for all, all of the things that it needs to needs to do. And I'm like, well, OK, well, so, but then, then 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 why is it being pitched as sufficient? Because it's not. <laughs> and and why is it crowding out areas and, and mm-hmm. issues that that are more rightly dealt in the political process mm-hmm. i mean I, I for the life of me i still can't figure out what a business can do about income inequality it now could, it could take income and redistribute it <laughs> to now, other people <laughs> yeah now i think if we had an esg proponent on they would say well it could up their minimum wage well mm-hmm. a lot of companies have done that but mm-hmm. not every company has done it what does that tell us as free marketers mm-hmm that tells us that you know one size doesn't fit all right and, and, and that's probably my biggest concern with this is i read more and more of of the way that they're trying to measure these things it, it's not like the it's, it's not like there's a diversity of thought it's almost like there's a narrowing of thought it's almost like groupthink on steroids to see how some of these outfits get measured and some of the metrics that they're they're, they're using mm-hmm not to mention well, that there's huge conflicts of interest. So you have these rating agencies that are out there. They're not only rating the companies, they're providing consulting to the companies to help them improve their ratings. So now maybe they learn this from the auditors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's you know, your fault, Ron. It's, it's our fault. And, and by the way, this ESG reporting is a $1.6 billion global annual business that's forecasted to grow 21% for the next six years, year over year mm-hmm. growth, 21%. This is huge, Ed, this is huge, the ESG stuff. 
and it's like okay so we have you know we've already talked about the volkswagen the dow jones sustainable sustainability index gave them named volkswagen their most sustainable automobile company in the world back in september th- in 2015 one week later or two weeks later there was dieselgate mm-hmm. right tesla has been rated by three esg watchdogs one gave it the best rating one gave it the worst rating and one gave it a middling rating so mm-hmm. as an investor i have no idea what to do with that yeah you know and uh and, and when we talk about some of these alternative energy sources like solar like electric vehicles these the earth minerals that are required to build a battery the way they get these are not very environmentally friendly in the countries where they have to do it and it's like is that accounted for in the esg scores because by that standard, Tesla and all the others that make electric vehicles should have a pretty crappy score, and they mm-hmm. don't. It's mm-hmm. the oil companies that have a crappy score, even though the oil companies are getting cleaner. Well, maybe now that Elon's bought Twitter, his all, all of them will rate against him now. Who knows? Very possible. And the other thing I found was, you know, S&P again gave the Russian-controlled Gazprom a higher ESG score than ExxonMobil. And I just wonder what was were, were any of the ESG risk assessment models? Did they take into account the Ukrainian war? Mm, was that, probably was not. That any, is a, a, or on Germany's agenda, because now Germany is you know more dependent on Russian oil than a lot of others. And it, was that in any of the ratings? Yeah, assessment of risk. Probably not. No, yeah, and that's that's the challenge. And and, it, and it, it, but one thing I, I heard this on a, a podcast at at uh, at Cato, um, and this is the, the 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 measures of this this ESG stuff, especially from the environmental stuff. It's is it scope scope one, scope two, scope three? I think that's the words that they use. I think it is. And you know, scope scope one, as I understand it, is the you know your immediate uh, environmental impact of the the company itself. So the the buildings it owns, the infrastructure that kind of stuff scope two goes out and says okay well what about the products that you build and the as they go out to the customer um and and, and are those th- those things scored as well and then scope three goes back to your supply chain through your supply chain and right. says well let's understand what the environmental impact of your your supply chain is so theoretically in the end if you go to all three of these scopes you'll have the complete picture the problem is i see it and maybe i i probably don't understand it i will i will say that i don't but my mind when i heard about this scope three which is the supply chain issue went went to the carl sagan line that he he had in in cosmos remember this Mm -hmm. it was like if you want to build it if you want to make an apple pie from scratch you first have to start with creating the universe universe right and if if you really want to go through the supply chain like how far back like where where do you, where does one stop with that? You know, like it, it, it's the it's sort of the, the the environmental inverse of eye pencil, right? Like nobody knows can make make a pencil. Well, nobody knows like how far back the supply chain goes and how much do we allocate and do you have to start at the creation of the universe in order to get there? Exactly, the toaster project dealt with yes. that. I think yeah. you quoted yeah. that line, and um, yeah, it's a great point. But back to this conflict, I just one more thing: the uh, S and P again. I don't know why I'm picking on them, but they just seem to keep popping up they admitted in a 1.375 billion dollar settlement with this i think it was utah attorney general not sure of the state but also the doj that they succumb to conflicts of interest in their ratings they said they prioritize business relationships over the accuracy in models and ratings 
Mm. And this is ripe for that because this is the incentive structure for all of these ESG ratings. And and let's not forget that the ESG market as it stands right now, these rating agencies, these consulting agencies, mm -hmm. as of today, this stuff is unregulated. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 the proponents of regulation are, would be the first to tell you, wow, we need to regulate this. I mean, this is a massive growing market. And, and nobody's doing anything about it. Nobody's saying anything. There's no regulation. It's a free-for-all. Well, what about the... Yeah, isn't the same thing true with the bond rating agencies, though? The bond rating houses, Ron? I don't I don't think there's necessarily regulation around them. And and that you're just getting back to a point you made earlier. They sometimes rate rate uh, companies different, different bonds different ways. Well, the rating agencies were a scandal during the financial... Right, yes. Right, and that's, that's my point. Bond. It's like yeah, this... <laughs> it, it, they are regulated, though. In fact, it, it, in fact, because of that regulation, there's only three of them or four of them whatever mm -hmm. it is I'm, I'm not arguing for regulation i just find it interesting that the proponents of esg here are you very pro-regulation not so much when it comes to this oh to regulate esg itself y y yeah. yes to regulate them yeah um, who watches the watchman are you yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so and 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 then another thing too that needs to be said about this is when you look at china esg funds are pouring into china Outfits like BlackRock and others are telling their investors this is the future, invest in China, whatever. Even though China, on the environment, on social, and on governance, is horrific, doesn't seem to bother anybody that they've got a terrible record on environment, right? They build a coal plant a day. Is it a day? I thought it was a month, a coal plant it, it, a month. No, it's a lot. It used to be like one a day. Now, maybe that's... Maybe that's flushed yeah. out. It's lessened probably, but at one point it was. But they're dirty. I mean, most communist countries have terrible environments. That's one yeah. of the things that free markets get you is the wealth to care about the environment so you can clean it up. Mm -hmm. um, so they're terrible on the environment. What about social? Well, let's see. They're authoritarian. <laughs> So what's mm -hmm. the risk of being expropriated? Oh, I don't know. Ask some Cuban investors. Um, and And, you know, we can talk about genocide. Okay, so they don't have a great S record. What about G? Well, mm -hmm. the governance. Well, every company, either directly or indirectly, is subordinated to the state, whether it's a state-owned enterprise or not. Mm -hmm. you just look at their crackdown on big tech. Jack mm -hmm. Ma, what they did to Jack Ma and others that, that technically aren't, you know, like Huawei, that aren't state-controlled. But who do you think they answer to? Mm -hmm. They all have communist party officials on their board or inside their companies mm -hmm. and so on e s and g china sucks and yet that's not reflected in the ratings how can that be <sighs> don't know ron these the, these are important questions uh, uh, but yeah, I, th I see that as a huge problem. But look, we're up against our last break. I want to remind you, you can contact either of us by sending one email to asktsoe at verisage.com. We do have show notes, previews to upcoming shows at The Soul of Enterprise. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. 
These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! Have you listened to so many of my ads that it's corroded your soul? I absolutely have. What if I told you that you could listen to my voice for an entire podcast? I'd say that approximately half of the podcast is actually my voice. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. We're launching a new podcast called Oh My Fraud. Ron and Ed explore the soul of enterprise. Caleb and I explore fraud, which is more like the herpes of enterprise. Go to wherever you get your podcasts and download Oh, oh my, my fraud. fraud. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, folks. We're talking ESG. We respectfully dissent. Now, isn't that how some of the Supreme Court justices have written their dissents? Don't they start out, I respectfully dissent yes, from my colleagues? Yes, isn't yes, yes, it? yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking about the New York story. No, I I, that's where my mind went. That's what I said. Okay. So, yeah. I went to the Supreme Court <laughs> when we came up with that title. But uh, one other thing on this um, that I want to talk about is you know the subjectiveness of these metrics that like you were talking about you can create the universe how far are you going to go back i mean there's a you know this isn't like debits and credits and and even there there's a ton of room for different judgment calls and valuation techniques and all of that so there's a lot of subjective but this is even this is so much broader trying to ascertain the risk of environmental uh, catastrophe or climate change or whatever i mean if it's an existential threat then the risk is total I mean, just just wipe it to zero. By definition, existential threat means that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be worrying about reading a financial statement and looking for their environmental risk disclosure at that point. (laughs) You're going to be fried. Um, But they talk about all these ESG ratings that, that have heard this criticism from various sectors. They say, well, listen, better measurements are around the corner. We'll 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 generally arrive at a consensus. Now, Ed, if you believe that. (laughs) Um, it's crazy to believe that because this is what they said about like stock just take one issue stock-based compensation so Mm -hmm. options and things like that you know we thought well we're going to have more disclosure to shareholders and therefore you know and that disclosure by the way has ballooned in the last 20 years it hasn't brought clarity to this issue if anything it's created more distraction and more uncertainty 
And the same thing's going to happen. I mean, look at climate models to begin with. There's a ton of uncertainty in them. The idea that there's going to be a consensus around this issue. I mean, this is part science to talk about some of these things. It's in the scientific realm, at least climate is. And to think that you're going to get consensus around the measurements and the metrics. Give me a break. Well, to that end, Ron, let me take you through a couple things that I did in preparation for the show. You know, I, I wanted to have a little fun with this. So I, I went into my DuckDuckGo search and I I, I, uh, I searched up, as my son says. I don't know why they say search up, but they say mm. they use, you don't search down, you search up. Individual carbon footprint calculator. Mm. And I took I took the first four that ca- that came up in the search. This first one is from uh, an outfit called ClimateHero.me. And this one says that my carbon footprint is 20.8 tons of CO2 per year. 20.8. They also claim that because 3,752 people have taken Climate Hero and pledged to reduce their carbon footprint by 631,579 tons per year, they have, uh, which that they claim that they have removed 421,053 diesel cars from the road. So that's, you know, their, <laughs> that's, that's their claim. Um, so anyway, so 20.8 in, in the Climate Hero. In the EPA, EPA, oh, and by the way, on Climate Hero, I was rated as a climate bandit, which is the worst mm-hmm. rating. So I was not mm-hmm. a climate hero, I was a climate bandit. This is the EPA, United States Environmental Protection Agency. They're telling me that, and again, I answered all of the questions on all of the quizzes to the absolute best of my ability. They, they're saying that I have, it's 23 tons of, uh, mm. you know, so of cubic tons. So 23, so close, at least in, in the ballpark. But they're telling me that this is, uh, let's see, this is less than the average family in the United States by is there, is there a percentage by almost half? Mm. So I was like, okay, great. So I guess I'm. They didn't give me a. They didn't give me a, a, a label, <laughs> but they they told me that I'm I'm doing better than most. Uh, next one, nature.org. Nature.org. Uh, they say I'm using. I, I I'm at 87 tons of CO2 per year. My footprint is 87 tons, but I'm also 15 percent better than average. Hmm. than similar households. They didn't give me, again, did not give me a label. And then finally, this one from Henkel, which I believe is out of, out of Europe someplace. They said, they had the, the by far the lowest. They said, I'm only at 17.9 tons of CO2 per year. But I am uh, over 10 tons more than the average European and over 12 point or almost 13 tons over the global average and i am 15.9 tons over the global target which is less than 2 tons of co2 per year so well, not only question? did i get a varying answers i got varying opinions on the ones that were fairly consistent with one another and I use that term consistent loosely. <laughs> Very loosely. I, it, it, I mean, it, it's absurd. Okay. Can, somebody needs to stand up and go, that's absurd. 
Uh, what, what can I tell you? I, you know, I, I, what kind I, of questions do they these things ask you? They're like? all varied. I mean, they're, they, they, they're similar in that they usually ask you about your house. They ask about your nutrition, what you eat. They ask about your mobility uh, and uh, air travel, air travel, that kind of thing. Miles they, per year driven. They, they, well, they but they classify it all very, very differently. And I think that, that that's that, and they ask the questions very, very differently. Some just ask number of trips. Some ask number of miles. Nobody asked me so, is, is things like, well, do you, do you, what, you know, at what, what, at what temperature do you le- set your household thermostat? Mm-hmm. Nah. Mm-hmm. They didn't ask me that at all. They did want to know like how many kilowatt hours I've had, or, or should I, or should I just say the average? Well, I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna look up my kilowatt, kilowatt hours. hours. <laughs> like, right, like, right. You know. Right. <laughs> so anyway, yes. But my point is, really inconsistent with regard to the numbers, be that swing from 17 to 80 something. But even I felt more odd differing opinions on the the ones that were in a more narrow band and 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 ed that's just like one household now imagine doing that for a fortune 50 company right it's got different (laughs) products operates in 160 different countries different supply chains and tell me if you're going to get consistent ratings i mean this this is the theater of the absurd plus okay so you measured all this stuff. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we measured it. It's like a timesheet. We measured it. What do we? How does that make us improve? Some of these do do go through. What are you going to do to change your? I didn't report back on those, but some of these 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 uh, things mm-hmm. do say. Uh, and if you can do if you do this, do you, or do you promise to do this? Do you promise to do this? Do you promise to do this to to reduce it? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but using the same flawed metrics, it's just the inverse at that point, right? So. You know, it does raise a good point. Like, you know, they talked about the uh, the BP, the Beyond Petroleum campaign that Ogilvy did uh, for Beyond Petroleum, and they put a carbon footprint calculator on their website, which you know shifted the blame from that the company to right, you know sure. its audience about oh look at your carbon footprint, Ed, you're a glutton. Um, but it does bring up an interesting point that Milton Friedman made that is our companies responsible for pollution are the consumers who demand their products responsible mm-hmm. for it and that's a very interesting question um i know we've only got a couple minutes so let me just read one thing i just love the way vivek ramaswamy summed it up in woke inc he said we'd be strictly better off if companies and their customers ended the shared fiction that every capitalist transaction must also be part of some grand fight between good and evil whatever justice is Surely it can't be attained so incidentally by just picking the right shirts, the right burgers, and the right bankers. Beautiful. Yeah, good stuff. Um, Paul Dunn, our colleague, has changed ESG to embed social good, Mm. which I really like. Mm. That kind of gets to the purpose. Um, And I, my definition of ESG is everybody stop grandstanding. Stop grandstanding. <laughs> there you go. Well, Ron, what do we got coming up next week? We're going to be live at 90 Minds, Ed, the sponsor of our Patreon channel. So we're going to be actually broadcasting live from their conference. Conference, the Meeting of the Minds in Huntington Beach, California. I'm going to look look forward to that. Well, I will literally this time see you in 167 hours. <laughs>
This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so the organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific. We will be broadcasting live from 90 Minds. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. Also, you can contact me or Ed. Send us an email to ask TSOE at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend. Find out what's happening.